0: You want them to think, oh, wow, that's an interesting problem you were trying to solve. I wonder how you overcame the obstacles to solving that mystery. Because wherever desire meets obstacle, there is a story. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. Today you're going to hear a Q&A episode in which I answer some of the questions I have been asked about topics that come up in my workshops, most notably the one titled, The Art of Connecting. In my answers, you will gain deeper insights into storytelling, Scientific rigor and the development and use of specific purpose as a content filter. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Ote, and after an August hiatus, we are back on our bi weekly schedule. I'm glad that you've joined me again and hope that you'll join me in future episodes. And I'll tell you later about a very special guest I'm looking forward to welcoming on a future episode of The Power of Story and Science. But on today's episode, we do not have a guest. This will not be a conversation, this will be a content episode. Specifically, the content I'm going to provide you with today will be answers to frequently asked questions that I have gotten from audience members at actual presentations of my workshops on the art of connecting. You'll recall that a frequent theme of this show is how to connect with your audience so that your information actually goes somewhere. Because your information goes nowhere if you don't meet the needs of your audience members. And specifically they need good information from a trusted source. So it starts with building trust with your audience, and one of the best ways to do that is using the power of story, hence the theme of this show, the power of story and science. You've heard me talk about the science of oxytocin, the neurotransmitter that is released when you hug someone, when you pet your dog, or, according to research, when you hear a story. And that raises a number of interesting questions, some of which we're going to deal with right now. So stay with me. Let's start going through some of those questions. Before we talk specifically about story, let's talk about specific purpose, because this is often a starting point for me when I'm working with speakers whom I coach. Remember that specific purpose is the answer to the question, what do I want my listeners to think, do, or feel differently when I am done? Until you know the answer to that question, you're not ready to start framing your message. What is it you're trying to accomplish for your audience? And by extension, of course, that requires you to know something about your audience. So a question I'm often asked after I talk about specific purpose is, do you tell your audience your specific purpose up front? And the answer is, not necessarily. You need to be very clear in your own mind what your specific purpose is. That does not mean you have to tell your audience members at the outset the outcome you want them to get. You might want to lead them there. You may start with a premise statement. For example, a premise statement I have used is, the premise of this presentation is that every scientist in this audience can pick up tools today that will help them connect more deeply with their audience members when they give presentations and thereby increase their chances of getting the results they want, such as funding, collaboration, or an expansion of your reputation. So you see, that's a premise statement, and the specific purpose is implied in that premise statement, but the premise is more of a benefit to the listeners. So the answer to the question, do you tell your audience your specific purpose up front is... Not necessarily. I wouldn't say you would never do that. The important thing is to make sure you are very clear on what that specific purpose is in your own mind, so you can use that as a filter. Nothing goes into your presentation if it doesn't pass this test. Does it support my specific purpose? Another question that often comes up, because I talk to people about using story as a way of connecting with their audience, is... Should your story weave through your entire presentation, or does it serve as an initial setup? It can do either. It can be an initial setup, and by setup I mean very often what you're trying to do with a story in a technical presentation is engage your listener's curiosity. You want them to think, oh, wow, that's an interesting problem you were trying to solve. I wonder how you overcame the obstacles to solving that mystery. Because wherever desire meets obstacle, there is a story. Now that story can address why you found this information so essential to uncover. It can address what difference this information is likely to make to someone else once they know it. Whatever it addresses, a technique that I've often found useful is to come back to that story at the end of the presentation. As commentator Paul Harvey used to say on the radio many years ago, the rest of the story. So a story can stand alone, or it can be something that you loop back to later in your presentation to give you what's often a really nice way to wrap up your presentation at the end by going back to that story and letting us see how someone... Or something about the state of the world was changed as a result of the work that you did that's referenced in that story. A third question I often get is, should you tell a story about yourself or about the object of your need? This questioner went on to say, for example, if the object is an endangered species for which you are working with others to recover, should the story be about the species and its needs? Or about me trying to work with others to recover the species? Or does it not matter? What matters is where you can be most authentic and most engaging. In that example, I can see how you might go either way or even both ways. Maybe you tell a story that starts with how work that you and other people have done has helped a species to recover. And the consequences of that for that entire ecosystem. Or maybe it's a very personal story about a time that you had to overcome an obstacle that was in the way of helping a species to recover. So you may be the central figure in the story. Or someone else or something else might be the central figure in the story. One thing that is important to keep in mind, though, is that if you are the central figure in the story, try not to make yourself the hero of the story. The hero of the story can be the person who gave you the key insight you needed, or the guidance that you needed, to overcome the obstacle that you've set up in that story. Remember, wherever desire meets obstacle, there is a story. Was that your desire? Or was it someone else's desire that propelled that story into motion? That should be your determining factor in deciding who is the central character in the story. A related question to that is, does your story need to be about you versus the story of your research topic, i.e. the virus seeking to take over a host despite an antibiotic? You know, you can come up with some very interesting perspectives, I think, if you take the point of view of someone or something other than yourself to tell that story. Again, the key thing is to identify what is the driving desire. Where desire meets obstacle, there is your story. So who, or by extension, if you're anthropomorphizing a virus, let's say, what has this strong desire that forms the basis for a good story. Now here's an interesting question that comes up sometimes. What is the trade-off with professionalism when bringing emotion or storytelling into a presentation? For example, giving a job talk versus a talk to the general public. This is a point where we need to sometimes tread lightly because I think there is a misconception that there is something unprofessional about engaging people at an emotional level. And I don't believe that's true. You want to engage your audience's curiosity. You want to engage that at a very deep level. Nobel Prize winning economist Daniel Kahneman wrote a book that was very influential to me that I read a few years ago called Thinking Fast and Slow. And in that book, he describes the two systems that we have for processing stimuli in our brain. What he calls System 1, which is very fast and intuitive and emotional and really is buried in what you might call the reptilian part of your brain. And System 2, which is slower, which uh, considers evidence and uses reason and is housed in that cerebral cortex that makes us so uniquely human. So, as a scientist, for example, as many of the listeners of this show are, you want to present evidence. You believe in an evidence-based view of the world. But how do you get people to engage their slower, more methodical, system two thinking to consider your evidence if their system one response, their emotional response, is not to trust you? Or not to think that what you have to offer is relevant to them, because perhaps it challenges their view of some aspect of the world. In other words, your information goes nowhere. doesn't reach the System 2 thinking unless you meet the needs of your audience, the need for acceptance at the System 1 level, that fast, intuitive, emotional level. And that's what using story is really all about. It's how you engage your audience at an emotional level. So there's nothing, in my view, that is unprofessional. There's nothing, in my view, that is manipulative or even unscientific about using story to engage your listeners and build that connection with them that allows them to feel empathy toward you. Because once they feel empathy toward you... They're much more likely to engage that system to thinking and consider your evidence. Now, in this in the wording of this question, what someone asked was, for example, giving a job talk versus a talk to the general public. So I'm going to assume that what this questioner meant and referring to a job talk is talking about your work to people who are already familiar to your work, in other words, are familiar with your work, in other words, talking to your peers at work. If they already know and trust you, then one could argue that you should be able to skip the storytelling, right? Um, Whether you skip it completely or not is perhaps another question to consider more deeply at another time. I think it is true that if they already trust you, you don't have quite the same need to use story to build empathy. They may still be interested in your And the insight that they gain into your work by you telling them a story of something that made it particularly interesting or relevant to you. It's more of a challenge to build trust with an audience that doesn't know you. And that's why I think this questioner is asking about uh, versus a talk to the general public. The problem that we're often faced as technical presenters, whether we are scientists, engineers, IT professionals anyone else who has to give a technical presentation, is a certain level of distrust of our analysis, even a distrust of analytical thinkers by people who may not be as analytical as we are. There is, sadly, in our society today, a certain learned mistrust of science in general, and I believe that's unfortunate. And that is something that we as technical presenters, whether we consider ourselves researchers or not, really have to work to overcome. And that's where I think it's important to understand the power of story in engaging with a broader audience. Anyone who has ever taught somebody something knows that it's a challenge, as soon as you're teaching more than one person at a time, to reach each individual in your audience at the level where they are, the level of their understanding. So, if you can start by building trust, then you're more likely to have people move with you, even if they're at different levels of understanding of your subject. So, the trade-off with professionalism, I'm not sure there is a trade-off. I think that to think that it's unprofessional to use story to engage people may be an idea that comes about because you see people stand up sometimes and tell a joke awkwardly to get a talk started. And that's not the same thing. That's attempting to use something as an icebreaker that is completely unrelated to the topic, and I don't advise doing that at all. But when your story answers a question like, and here I'm going to refer to my book, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories, if it answers one of the questions in chapter 1 like, What did this information mean to you when you first learned it? Or what need drove you to discover this information? Or what makes it so compelling that it must be shared? When you can answer questions like that in your story, you're going to frame your listener's understanding of your information in a much more organic way. So I would say there's no... Not necessarily any loss of professionalism or, let us say, any loss of scientific or technical rigor in terms of presenting your information when you frame it with a story addressing one of those questions. I have a few more questions that we're going to take, well, that I'm going to take. And, of course, I welcome your questions. I'll give you my contact information toward the end of the show, and you're welcome to contact me with questions for future episodes. I'll come back to some more questions that I think are of particular relevance to people who give scientific talks after this short break. You are a knowledgeable expert and you want your expertise to make a difference to your audience but you can't see them and gauge their reactions. Therefore, you need new tools for engaging that unseen audience. Hi, I'm David Ode, offering you a way to pick up those tools. In my new self-paced online course, you will discover three ways to improve your story. One fascinating tool for hooking your audience's attention and eight details in your physical environment that will set you apart from other virtual presenters. Today's technical presentations are going virtual and that means you can reach a wider audience as long as you understand how to serve that audience. So join me for the online course, Own the Virtual Stage. Confidently connect with an unseen audience. Just go to ownthevirtualstage.com for details. Welcome back. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, wherein we often develop the theme of putting connection before content, and empathy before evidence as a presenter. That is, as a technical presenter, a scientist, an engineer, someone else giving technical presentations, how do you build the kind of connection with your audience's mind that allows your information transfer to take place? And as I'm sure you've heard me say, if you've listened to any of these episodes, you do that using the power of oxytocin, that neurotransmitter that makes people feel empathy toward you so that they will want what the character in your story wants. We have experimental evidence now that shows that hearing a story or experiencing a story, whether visually or orally or both, prompts the expression of oxytocin. That's why I say connection before content, empathy before evidence. And in this episode, as you're already aware, we are, I am addressing questions that have come up when I have presented the art of connecting and similar materials to other audiences. So one of the questions that has come up is, how do you achieve clarity without overstating certainty? And this is of particular interest, I believe, to scientists who are very careful not to overstate their certainty about something because in general, in science, there is no certainty. There is always more information to be gained. There's more data to be collected. There's more nuance to be added to the theory, the existing body of knowledge about whatever your field is. So we need to be careful. And this is something that scientific laymen often don't understand. And one reason, since they don't understand it well, that there is often distrust of science because science writ large will say one thing one week as reported by the news media and say something different the next week. And a scientist will recognize that that's an incremental addition to our knowledge. But to the general public, it often seems contradictory. So we want to reassure people That our information is real and relevant and soundly based while not overstating certainty. Now I think the context in in which that question came up about clarity was particularly when I was using in one of my presentations the example of something that um, Randy Olson, Ph.D., scientist turned filmmaker, calls the Dobzhansky Template. Dobzhansky was the evolutionary biologist who famously said, nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. Now, for anyone who studies biology and evolution, that's a difficult statement to argue with, and yet it is couched in absolute terms. Nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. So we do have to be careful Even when we're using a tool like that to achieve clarity, which I'll explain in just a moment, we do have to be careful with the fact that we are stating something in very absolute terms. So what Randy Olson recommends as a way of achieving clarity on your topic is to use that statement and fill in the blanks with your own topic. For example, here are some examples that were actually uh, given to me by some participants in a workshop nothing in development makes sense except in the light of gene expression nothing in public health makes sense except in the light of the environment nothing in astronomy makes sense except in light of the big bang theory so each of these while a statement in absolute terms because it starts with the word nothing is still a statement that i believe allows room for some wonder about well how does something that i'm seeing here in astronomy relate to Big Bang Theory, especially when we know that Big Bang Theory is continuing to evolve as we get more data. So you can achieve clarity while still making it clear, I believe, what is there left to wonder about? And I think that's an important point. When certainty appears to rear its ugly head, turn to wonder. What is it that we still wonder about astronomy, about public health, about the environment, about evolution because, clearly, our knowledge of each of these areas is still expanding. Another question that has been posed to me is, does your story have to be related to the specific purpose, which we talked about earlier, or can it be just an icebreaker to introduce some introductory topic? Let me return to specific purpose. It's where I started and it's where I'll wrap up with this episode. Your specific purpose is the answer to the question, what do I want my listeners to think, do, or feel differently when I am done? And as you've heard me say, it is the filter through which every piece of content must pass before it is allowed into your presentation. Nothing goes into your presentation. No sentence, no paragraph, no image, no equation, and I think we can also say no story, Unless it supports your specific purpose, so a story that you use in a presentation ought not to just be a standalone device for getting attention. This is the mistake a lot of presenters make when they tell a joke at the beginning of a presentation because they've, told them, they've been told get your audience to laugh first. If they're laughing at something that is unrelated to your content, you still have not built trust with them. All you've done is given them a moment of levity. Not to say that humor is not important in telling your stories. It's just that if it is completely unrelated to your content, it is not helping to develop your audience's trust in you as a trusted source of that information. So I would say make sure that even your stories that you tell are related to your specific purpose in speaking to that audience just as it is related to the purpose of building trust with that audience. If you have other questions, how can you pose them to me? If you will go to storyandscience.com, that's storyandscience.com, that is the home page for this webinar, excuse me, this podcast slash vidcast. Let's get the words right, David. That is part of my website. On that website, you can find my contact information. You can reach out to me through the contact form on that website or using the email address or phone number that are found on that website. Or you can click on the Schedule Consultation button, look at my calendar, compare it to yours, and find any 15 minutes that's available that would be time that we could have a conversation about your question. So you can certainly email me with questions or you can schedule a conversation. I'm happy to talk with you. This is The Power of Story and Science. I'm David Otey, and I look forward to hearing from you. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, Subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Ody. Thanks for listening.